2: You know, I, I haven't heard that intro in a while. Well, um, there's a
3: reason for that. <laughs> wow,
2: that's a lot of stuff. Uh, that, that, that's that's pretty interesting, isn't it? It
1: is. There's, the, uh, there's Evan and his fake uh, announcer voice. There's me and my fake announcer voice. There's you and the glamorous dance life. And then there's Barry starring Barry as the <laughs> overburdened. Husband, our guest today. Let's move. Let's move this quickly on. We're we going to talk about the Cowboys here. Let's talk about the Cowboys,
2: the miracle Cowboys. I'm going to this is call, the this cardiac is, Cowboys. This
1: is good that Barry's actually now moving us along before we have even gotten into the podcast. Well, let's yeah. get, let's let's get along. I've been
0: here since for about an hour and a half Wait, You just <laughs> walked in. Uh, you're right. <laughs>
2: when you're an old man, you get to everything early. Barry was here like three hours early. I, I once, was. Ag-
1: once again, rain has caught <laughs> Dallas off guard. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that
2: slippery stuff
0: coming out of the sky. What is that? It's it's. Who here thought about calling in sick today? I did.
1: Did but you did. really? Yes, but I was already
0: up. <laughs> calling in sick.
1: All right. Be <laughs> more, it's not an insurance be more news, company. <laughs> be more news when you call in healthy. Wow.
0: I, well, I, I didn't say I'd be healthy, but I'm here. Joining us today on the the phone line
2: on the hotline is the one and only John Mashota. John, out there, you know, you live out at the Star, don't you? Isn't that true, John?
3: I don't live in the Star, but I'm pretty close, about a mile or so away.
2: But you're there pretty much 24 hours a day.
3: You know, I'm I'm really not. I, I would love to say that I am, but uh, there's some there's just restrictions out there that there weren't at Valley Ranch. I used to live at Valley Ranch, but. Uh, you know, we only get so much time and so much uh, access uh, now at the new facility. So a lot different out there.
2: Well, I'm sorry about that. <laughs>
0: are, are, are you angry that they put the media on the other side of the building from where everything else is happening? I think it's just a good thing uh, that they put the media in the building. Barely.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's barely. I'm not enough.
3: angry about it. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I know it's a lot worse with other teams, but uh, it was it was more fun at the old place. That's for sure. Yeah.
2: John, let's talk a little bit about that uh, Cowboys-Oakland game, a very bizarre game on, on many levels. Um, we, you had just a little bit of everything in that. The Of course, the most bizarre thing, I think, for most viewers was uh, Gene Sterator pulling out a, a piece of paper. First of all, I want to know, why is he carrying a piece of paper out on the field anyway in his uniform uh, and using that to to, to give himself – just affirmation, he said, on a call he'd already decided upon. Um, have y'all gotten any better explanations on on, uh, on what that all was about?
3: Well, he's not going to say this, but I think it has something to do with, you know, some of these refs, they like the theatrics. I mean, the odds that this guy was involved in, the Dez no catch, the Calvin Johnson uh, no catch in Chicago, the uh, fact that he'd even pull out a piece of paper like that, um, yeah, I don't know. it was just the whole thing was was odd. It's the first time he called, or he, yeah, he did a, a Cowboys game since the the Des Bryant no catch up in Green Bay back in twenty fourteen. Um, it just, it, I don't know. I, I don't think any of that stuff that that paper was even needed. Uh, it just, it, it adds to it. Um, it just makes it makes it. If he just looks down at it and just saying those first down, no one's really questioning it, but. He slides a piece of paper down there, and then the camera's right in his face, and he's kind of, like, smirking. He just, smirking. I don't think it's a good look for the league at all when, when stuff like that goes down. And, you know, I mean, that place is so so cramped uh, down low after the game by where the locker rooms are and that out in Oakland that, you know, I mean, I was standing there for probably about five minutes when the pool reporter was trying to get in there uh, to, to talk to him to get an explanation and, uh, you know, just immediately comes back and says that he can't go in there yet because he has to get confirmation from New York. And um, I, I read uh, some tweets from that poll reporter who said that uh, it seemed like uh, he, he was getting reamed out on the phone uh, from New York, possibly for doing that. So there, it, just, it, it was an odd situation. It, 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 it just doesn't seem like it's necessary. Just make something uh, that could have been done in a, a, in a better way. Uh, more complicated, and it just adds something to a game that, really, in the end, might not even matter at all.
0: You know that that was his Ed Hockley minute. That, yeah. yeah, that yeah. you know he, he the camera was on him. You know he didn't kept, have the guns. If you're if you're a Cowboy fan, you think he smiled. If you're a Raider fan, you think he smirked. Jack Del Rio had a lot of had problems with the with what he called the smirk. Um, it, it, it was it was just odd, and then. The game ended on, on almost ended on the most bizarre of all plays. Yeah, that that was you know that was really um,
2: I, I, I actually felt sorry for him. You know he, he's got the first down. All he's got to do is just tuck the ball in and go down. And and he sticks the ball. You know Derek Carr sticks the ball out and uh, and loses control. And you know the the crazy thing about it was if he loses control and the ball goes out on the one, he's still golden, right? But it, it trickles in just inside the pylon. And it's you know through the end zone a touchback, just a just an unbelievable uh, set of events. And I wondered how much that was similar. In, it will be similar in his career to Tony Romo's botched hold on this on the against, point Seattle, against Seattle in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: No, nah, well, I mean the difference obviously is. Playoffs his regular season. True, uh, um, true.
0: But that was a playoff. We were told, we've been told for this was like weeks, a, this was a playoff game,
1: like a playoff game. Yeah. Well, certainly for the Cowboys it was. I'm <laughs> not sure if it was for the Raiders anymore. It was. Well, well they're they, not. They're out now. They're for out. Sure. They're out now. Uh, I, you know, John mentions certainly wasn't a good look for the league. That's the thing that um that sticks with me all year. It's just been like one week after another where there's quote-unquote not a good look for the league. It, it doesn't yep. appear that this is, it's a league of transparency, not that any professional sports league is, but it just seems like week after week after week the league finds a way to, to strip all over itself. And, and, and it is, you know, games continue to come down to interpretations of rules that no matter how somebody tries to explain it to us, doesn't make sense. Um, and and you know, I don't know when you pull out. I, I don't know what the protocol is for pulling out an index card to measure on on a first down.
0: Well, let's take it back a, a
1: few seconds. For how do they decide where to spot the ball? Even that—that's pretty arbitrary as well. Well,
2: that's always the crazy thing. You know, when, right. you, when it comes out of that thing, a, does he get referee, a good spot or not? Well, know? yeah, the where referee the grabs ball the ball. Going? It could have been anywhere. It could have right. been three inches up. Could have been three inches back. You know, yeah. and, and I will say this: I'm a little embarrassed to admit. I always thought it was where the uh, the rod comes down. The, yeah. That was where I, I didn't realize it's the last link in that chain. That's the actual spot mm-hmm. to, to measure that. So that was interesting to me for that game. But uh, uh, we've had a little uh, you know, fun talking about that. But we need to move on to uh, what's, what the news is this week, which is that Zeke Elliott is back. Um, and uh, he was out at, uh, at the star yesterday, John. So what was that reception like out there?
3: Well, so, you know, he didn't get a chance to meet with the reporters. Right. That'll come. It could possibly come later today uh, if, he's, if he's in the locker room Tuesdays. are generally not a, uh, uh, a really packed locker room, but uh, he could meet with, the, with reporters today. If he doesn't today, it'll, it'll certainly be tomorrow. Um, so yesterday he was supposed to meet with Jerry Jones. Jerry <laughs> just offered that up after the game, that he would be meeting with Zeke on Monday. That didn't end up happening. Uh, it was really just meetings with, you know, Gary Brown, the running back coach and, and Jason Garrett, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, your guys dealing with Jason Garrett, you guys know uh, he didn't offer very much up about uh, that discussion, just said that uh, his message was just to get to work, and they said that Zeke looked good, and he was very, uh, very vague about anything uh, regarding, you know, what kind of shape he's in or where his mindset is or anything like that. I would think being away from the game for six weeks, though, he's got to be pretty hungry to get back, and I would, I would anticipate he's, he's probably in some of the best shape of his life.
2: We, we we saw pictures of him running on the beach, uh, looking very lean. Uh, they talked about uh, how he looked like maybe he's even lost a little bit of weight, maybe even better shape. I don't know who's taking those pictures uh, of him out there doing all that. I don't know how hard he was really going at it. Would you? Well, they're you, doing a
3: documentary off of it. Oh, that's doing right. Like the whole video
2: deal. I forgot about that. That's that's right. <laughs> yeah,
0: John, do you know who's doing the? He, it's it's Zeke, it's Team Zeke doing the documentary. Correct.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, I believe it's through his agent and, and some people out there. I mean, the place he was staying out there, uh, outside of Cabo, um, is a place that I've heard is reported that uh, it, it belongs to his agent. And, and so... His <laughs> agent, oh yeah, boy! The yeah, if He's I was Zeke, I'd look,
0: be looking for a new agent. No kidding!
2: Wow. So, uh, d- have we heard anything about this? Uh, the 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 idea behind this documentary and why? I mean, I'm sure the deal is I want to get out my side of the story and and and, and show that I was the good guy here, and I was I've just been victimized by all this. Um, uh, I, you know, I have no idea how much this would cost to produce this thing and and pull it all off. But it seems to me, shouldn't you just let this all go?
3: Well, the belief is that you do this because you're trying to uh, distance yourself from, you know, being around uh, the team or in the area, and that if he's out anywhere, uh, you know, there's going to be pictures and things like that. I mean, you guys saw right after uh, his suspension started, I think, three times or two times in three days, something. He uh, just goes to the grocery store. He goes to the cell phone store. goes to the mall, and there's pictures being posted. And um, I think that that was the biggest reason was to kind of get away And uh, he said, uh, from what I've heard, he didn't want to be a distraction to the team. So he was going to go to Cabo and kind of be secluded. And while he was there, they were going to film everything, his workouts, what he was doing during that time. And eventually that's going to be released. And uh, we're going to get to see exactly what he was doing out there. Um, I had heard that he was going to release a statement when he came back. Uh, That hasn't happened yet. Um, So it seems like everything was well planned out on their side, that this was going to be, uh, you know, this is exactly how they were going to attack it. I don't know. If you guys had heard Eric Dickerson uh, supposedly went out there uh, and, and, you know, spent some time with him as well, as I'm sure some other players, possibly even Marshall Falk, who uh, shared the same agent uh, that Zeke has now. So Marshall uh, Falk needs some seclusion a,
0: right now. Yeah, too, he so. does. <laughs> how about, <laughs> how about, how how point, about so. the, the the people who surrounded him out there that that we've heard?
1: Well, I I was just going to ask you guys about that. I mean, John just mentioned seclusion. He went into seclusion. Well, it's always good to have seclusion when you're surrounded by cameras and having people come out and visit you. Yeah. Um, Kevin, I think you make a great point, and that is. But Roger Clemens was there, too. Roger Clemens was there? Roger Clemens, right? (laughs) John?
3: I had not heard that. I heard that,
1: Roger Clemens. uh, Tiger Woods. All people that can exactly actually people that can share experiences as in all seriousness, people that can share experiences with with Zeke because they've all been through regardless of the circumstances, something along these lines where they've basically been vilified in, 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 in the media and in public. But Kevin, I, I think you bring a good, up a good point and it's just you got to let at some point in time you do need to let it go because here's, here's the deal. The Cowboys, according to 538, still have a, only a 5% playoff chance. Okay, right. And we'll get into playoff talk with John in just a second. They've got a 5% playoff chance. They've now got Zeke back. And if they win these two games and they somehow sneak into the playoffs, they're going to be a pretty dangerous team because of the presence of Zeke with fresh legs and all that. You go out, you play well, you make the playoffs, you perform well in the playoffs, all of a sudden you're a postseason hero, you do all that, the great majority of people are going to forget about everything else that happened. Just let this go away. Well,
0: I, I think Zeke is now in a lot of people's mind here—the victim, the victim of, a, of, a, of an NFL a lot of fans man. of an yeah. overreaching NFL of, of an now. overreaching NFL cowboy. Not a lot of fans, a lot of cowboy fans. But but but, how good will he be without Tyron Smith? If Ty, what what is Tyron Smith's status, the left tackle?
3: Well, right now, I mean, he's he had an MRI, he had X-rays on his, his right knee. Uh, as of right now, it appears to be a sprain. They said there was no structural damage, and uh, but it's up in the air if he's going to if he's going to play on Sunday. Uh, you know, Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett have both talked about it in the last twenty four hours, and and neither of them is saying that he's going to play for sure. I mean, he for him not for him to leave the game and not come back for the entire fourth quarter uh, is a pretty good indication to me. Just have been around having been around Tyrant Smith now for the last you know, five or six years. Uh, I don't think that it looks good. I, I think that there's a good chance that Byron Bell uh, is going to start at left tackle. I mean, that's just not the type of injury. You're just going to sit there and shoot that up and tell him to go play through it, and it could become a lot worse. So um, I think there's a good chance he doesn't end up playing on Sunday. And then, you know, when that happens, everyone just starts thinking about Atlanta over again, where, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's a player that hasn't really been a big name in the NFL recently, and then he has, you know, five, six backs. So. Uh, it's not a good situation, but I don't know if that's going to have the biggest impact on Zeke. I still think you're going to see a, a fresh Ezekiel Elliott that, that has a, a pretty good game.
2: You know, though, I, I want to go back to something here that we brought up before, and, and we've kind of dropped it. And uh, And when I wrote this, uh, I got buried by uh, fans saying, oh, he's got to do all he can to protect his name. But if he had taken the suspension uh, coming out of the gate, uh, which the Cowboys are, were what, John, two and three coming out, as, I, as I'm recalling, the start of the season. Um, I don't yeah. know how much worse they would have been without Zeke uh, than, than, uh, than two and three, two and four, three and three, whatever. Uh, that's what they've been with him since uh, or without him since. So you, you, you end up with essentially the same record, and then you would have had him for that three-game stretch in which they were truly awful. Uh, and which is, is probably going to cost them a playoff shot. So in the end, by delaying his uh, suspension, taking it, uh, I, I'm not going to lay this all at the feet of Zeke Elliott, but I'm going to say that it certainly didn't help their chances very much that he decided just to, to push and push for this thing. And yet there are, are all kinds of fans out there who are saying, oh, he did exactly the right thing. He he should have done this. He's trying to clear his name. Uh, and And that was – and that, was, that part of it was not really a part of the formula e- either. It wasn't about clearing his name. It was about trying to find the NFL uh, guilty of, of uh, violating its
1: protocol. Not, not trying to find I mean, the NFL guilty of what amounts to overreach. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, and, and that but was, after you see what happened with Tom Brady, don't you think if you're him that you think there's a chance that this thing does get delayed the entire season?
2: Yeah, I think it's that's possible, but you know, that's the same thing. You know, as, as we know, you know, okay, then then it's then it's next year. It's going to happen though. It's going to either this year, or but next at least year. if it's next
3: year, you have a chance going in the off season. If, if he starts next year, uh, suspended for the first six games, uh, you could you can possibly do things in free agency and even in the draft to kind of address that um, and put yourself in a better situation than you would have last year. So I just think it's a little bit different uh, if he starts next year as opposed to serving six games in the middle. And then, and plus, if you push it off, then there's more of a chance that maybe they settle on, on something less than six games because there really is, you know, I mean, it's the NFL stuff changes all the time. So I, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I can see both sides of it, but I, I if I was him, I would have been fighting this thing too. I,
1: I, I think, I mean, I think it really gets down to what your belief is. And and that is, is your belief that he's fighting for principle here that he believes he's, he's not guilty or is he fighting to strategize the, the suspension? And I think that is what makes the difference in how you view this. If, if a guy honestly believes he didn't do anything, and certainly I can't understand what all the evidence really, really suggests here. I, I don't know that we ever, will ever have the full story. But if he, feel, if he fully believes that he's innocent, then yeah, I'm going to fight to do everything I can to clear my name. If you're strategizing uh, on the suspension, I think at some point in time you got to look w- what's best for the team at that point.
0: Well, you know, our whole court system is based on plea bargaining, and there's a lot of innocent people who plea bargain, right. you know, and, and things like that. So I th- I think what what somebody should have sat him down and said, what's good for the team. And, and maybe if he didn't fight it so hard,
1: what's the best situation for both you and yeah. the team? Let, let, let's let's well, let's examine everything. Well, that,
0: that's what the lawyers were there for. The
2: lawyers were there to, to tell him, "Listen, Zeke, we know you think you're guilty. We, we are not guilty. We think you're not guilty. But look, that's not going to be. That's not right. the issue here. Right. The league is not going to be. The league has the right to make this decision. You're just you're fighting for for protocol here. You're not you're not going to clear your name through the league here." And, and all this is going to do is drag this out over the course of a season it's gonna hurt the team blah 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 those were the th- and instead what the lawyers did was reveal Zeke's entire inner life since Ohio State, which was not really good you know we, we learned a lot of things about Zeke that we didn't really have to learn
0: right the, the character the, a, lot,
2: a lot of character issues came up in all of that in, in drugs and sex and rock and roll and, and all the rest that there was there was no reason for us to learn and uh, I, I don't see. I, I thought his lawyers did him a disservice, frankly, uh, that they they took it that direction. But let's uh, let's uh, let's move on here to now to what we think the chances are of uh, of the Cowboys beating Seattle, John.
3: Oh, I think their chances of beating Seattle are, are great. I mean, Seattle looked terrible uh, on Sunday, and then also getting the emotional lift of getting Zeke back. I can just tell you from being in the locker room after the game. You know, I mean, as great as uh, it was for them to be able to pull that game out, and how excited they were. Uh, you know, to beat the Raiders, you know, especially on the offensive side of that locker room. There was there was a lot of talk about Z coming back and, and what kind of impact he's going to immediately have. So it's not just on the field. It certainly is emotionally for them, uh, you know, what he brings. They know he's their most talented player. So, yeah, they can beat Seattle, but the problem is that it just really might not matter at the end of the day if nobody can beat Atlanta.
0: Can Can they be eliminated before they even take the field against Seattle?
3: Yeah, if Atlanta wins, I think Atlanta plays on noon. Atlanta I, plays I don't at know. noon. So, I mean, if Atlanta wins, then they can uh, they can and uh, you know I'd have to I'd have I know that it, they can't they can't jump Atlanta, so I guess maybe there's still a chance that if. If uh, if Atlanta uh, wins MVP. the
2: division, if Atlanta wins the division, yeah. I, then I think there's a there's a possibly there with the Saints. And, if Atlanta wins right. out,
1: they're they're eleven and five, and yeah. New Orleans and, and Carolina um, are both right now ten and four. So both yeah. of those teams would end up with at least five losses. So I don't know what the three way tie protocol is at, at the top of the, the NFC South.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, there's still a possibility that Atlanta could win the division. So that that that's what the Cowboys fans should hope for at this point. You know, I, I'm watching that game last night, and if, that, if the kick sails through, then it goes into overtime. Uh, the kick is wide right, and uh, that was like uh, worse news for the Cowboys. I think
1: the chances of the Falcons losing both games, losing at New Orleans, which is 6-1 and one at home, and then losing at home where they haven't played great to a Carolina team that's that's certainly going to have something to play for, I think the chances of that are much greater than the fa- the, the possibility of the Falcons winning both. Do you have yeah. Matt
0: Ryan in your fantasy league like I do? He is a he has killed my team single-handedly. <laughs> I just want to say they they, they they never they they never can finish. I he, and I uh, and, and
1: I've I've talked to a lot of my buddies in Atlanta who last year were blown away by the MVP season and and this year feel like he's reverted back to what is a career norm that's that's a guy who tends to make bad decisions in, in big moments. And he's he's made a lot of them this year. They, he has not been a very consistent quarterback. And I think after the game last night, that was a big talking point for ESPN, was the lack of consistency that the Falcons have shown. Um, but be that as it may, they still control this race. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it, it, yeah, the Falcons play at noon. The Cowboy game is at 325 on Sunday. Correct. Yeah, so... Um, if Atlanta manages to beat New Orleans, then, then they'll have ten wins, and, and that would eliminate the Cowboys. So, John, if, if this team um,
2: you know, wins out and still, which is a possibility, certainly a possibility they could win out, uh, I think the chances are getting better every day, it seems like to me, that they could end up ten and six. Do you expect any changes in the coaching staff?
3: I don't. I really don't. They, you know, when they started this three-game slide without Zeke, it was seeming like a real possibility. They continue to uh, suffer lopsided losses like that. As much as I think Jerry Jones loves having Jason Garrett as the head coach, I, I think his hand would have been forced. Um, but I, I will say this, you know, when there are those lopsided losses, it, it's it, it's very common for people to point to players quitting and mailing it in. And, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that I've seen that. I don't believe I've seen that at all when Jason Garrett's been the head coach, that players are just quitting. Uh, on defense, you know, they're limited. They're, there are certain guys that, uh, you know, they're just not elite playmakers and, and, you know, so they're missing tackles late in some of these games and people think that they quit and mailed it in. I just, I've never felt that about Jason Team, You certainly have seen that across the NFL, college football, whatever, players quitting on coaches, and I've never felt that that happened. I, I've always thought if that did start showing, then you'd start seeing maybe maybe Jerry go in another direction, but I, I just, I don't see that happening at all, and and plus if they win out these last two games, they're going to be ten and six, and uh, and really lastly, and, and maybe even the most important thing is that who really are the coaches out there that you go and get? You know, I mean if, the, if there's times in, in, when you're heading to this part of the season where there's some big names that your you know teams are talking about, this this there really isn't a, a, this great group of, of coaches that that someone's going to be going after that as a big name that's really going to blow you away.
0: Was Sean McVeigh a big name?
3: He wasn't, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think Jerry Jones looks at it as that as being any different of a hire than already having Jason. Right, Jarrett. right. I'm, know, just, I'm, just, I'm just Jason I'm just I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I, no. I'm not advocating
2: no, Jason. Of course not. But there, there were people, uh the people questioned that hire. Uh and, and of course he's had a great year, had a great impact uh, on the Rams and on Jerry Goff's hey, career. Let's
3: see this for, let's see this going forward though too. Nothing right. against Sean McVay. I think he's a great young coach, but there's something to be said for a guy that's in his first year who's showing a lot of things that you know, the NFL is is a league that a lot of these coaches have been in this league for a long time in, in different aspects of it, and there's a lot about that. When you're coaching as long as Rob Marinelli and Jason Garrett, there's a lot of tape on what you like to do. Scott Linehan, when you're a new head coach like that, there's a lot of stuff that, that he's doing with the Rams that hasn't been seen before. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about that last year with Dak Prescott. You know, well, once they see the tape, things are going to change, and he's it, not going to have as much success. So um, as great as Sean McVay is, I'm, I'm not ready to put him – you know, up with the elite coaches in the NFL yet. He's gonna to have to do this for, for a few years no. and, and, and allow teams to, to see what he does and, and, and see how they respond to that.
0: No, that wasn't my my point was that you don't always have to go for the Jeff Fishers of this world, the retread coaches, um, you know, there there are a lot there are a lot of young minds. Of course there are a lot of bad young minds, but there are a lot of great young minds out there as well well but the thing is you don't but you don't yeah you know that now about Sean McVay but you didn't know it well, before, of course not so that's why you don't want to but somebody it, had enough faith in him to hire him
2: well but they, but there's a, for every Sean McVay there's uh there's a Josh McDaniels who uh was
1: who went to the playoffs in his first year who, who did uh with Tim Tebow as his quarterback
2: right. uh but then it went right back to to what you you know uh, you thought he would be now. Now he's considered. If, it, if there were a hot name, he's the one that people think uh Oh, yeah, that he'll he'll get the next head coaching job just because he's been on Bill Belichick's but staff. He, but he was
0: Captain Bly
2: when 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 he. Yeah, that was a mess. Captain Queeg that ended Captain up. Yeah, Wig. whatever it was. Whatever your mutiny on the bounty reference is, or or uh, or, 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 or the uh, K mutiny. Yeah, yeah Captain
1: Queeg is the K mutiny. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and Captain Bly is mutiny on the bounty. Yeah. Did um, you take
0: my strawberries? <laughs> no, I it's
1: uh, but the King Mutiny is a Herman Woke novel and um Herman Woke being one of my two favorite novelists I'm well familiar with Listen to that very go. familiar with his That's uh very good. with his <laughs> works.
0: That's very good. Who's your other favorite novelist?
1: Carl Hiaasen. I was. I want to. Okay. I worked with Carl Hyacinth. Oh. He's he's mentioned that in many of his books. Hey, hey
2: John, you and I will talk, and then these two guys will just talk about you know all <laughs> their, <laughs> their favorite authors. Uh, I'm a great lover of books. Kenny. Yeah. Well, there you go. Me too. Um, people don't read books anymore. The uh, or newspapers. But yeah. Well, it does not go there. Uh, so, so John, I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I will say this. I don't think that Jerry was going to fire, uh, Jason if they'd ended up seven and nine. I just, I just don't. I think that Jerry would have made enough excuses for his guy. He would have said, Oh, well, we were missing Zeke and Tyron was out and Sean Lee was out and it's Dak Prescott's, you know, sophomore season and, and people made adjustments and he would have, he would have made enough excuses to keep him. There's to me, there's what, what got saved here were the coordinators, uh, and, I, I and, was, and I think, and that's the question I've got: back.
1: is you believe both coordinators? According to John, both coordinators appear to be safe, but I think we were talking four weeks about four weeks ago about Marinelli basically being a dead man walking. Maybe. I. I what do you What do you think, John? You know what's? Well, let me just say, interrupt. You know what's made
0: Marinelli a better coach? Players, Sean Lee's uh, health has made oh, him absolutely. A better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. John,
3: I, I don't. Yeah, I would I, say. Go ahead. I would say Marinelli would have been; he'd be the one that you'd be looking at if they were going to make some. Change. I don't see any changes happening with Scott Linehan. I, I really don't. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be with Rod Marinelli either. But I'm saying if you had to pick between those two, uh, the more likely guy that would have been forced out at the end of the year if this season would have ended in a disaster, I would have think it. Would, I would have thought it would have been Rod Marinelli.
2: And you know what's funny to me about that is that all the money's been poured into the offensive side. You know, that's that's where it all is. Uh, Rob Marinelli's playing with all these mix-and-match characters that they keep dumping on him. You know, no high draft picks. The the, the best he ever gets is a second-round pick, maybe a third uh, every once in a while. So you don't
3: think that he has a say in that, though? Uh, I believe he does. No. Oh, no, I think you're you're right. They do. They've They've had opportunities to draft defensive tackles in the first round, and that's not something that Marinelli believes in. So the organization doesn't believe in that. And uh, I find it hard to believe that Tyrone Crawford gets a contract extension if 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 uh, Rob Marinelli doesn't go to bat for him. And I find it hard to believe that they're going to take Taco Charlton in the first round if Rod Marinelli doesn't. So there's definitely this, you know, he kind of gets this pass for it. He doesn't have any talent, but, you know, he he has a lot of say in, in those guys that are there.
2: No, I I agree with you 100%. I think the two things that we've seen from Rob Marinelli, the kind of guys he wants, Position flex, you know, which is such a hilarious thing to me to, to, to call it that. It just sounds cool other than saying the guy can play several positions. And he likes guys with a high motor. Those are the, those are the two things that he requires. Who from doesn't? Well, no, everybody does. <laughs> but, this, but I think he values it over, over out, out talent. Like it, when we saw in Todd McShay's mock draft, he had him taken a defensive lineman from Clemson. Um, uh, and his name is Wilkins, uh, a defensive lineman from from Clemson. Uh, is very highly regarded, and the reason that that they like him is because he can play any position on the defensive line. Now, to me, I just re- find me a guy who does one thing really well. You know. You know, if he's a pass rusher, if that, boy, he's an unbelievable pass rusher. Or if you, you think you need a run stopper, then he's just an unbelievable run stopper. Those are the two things I need. They they look at it like, oh no, I want a guy that I can play him at. I can play him at the three technique. I can play him at the one technique. I can play him at end if I want to, because that's what they have ended up doing with David Irving, right? You right. know, David Irving got moved inside uh, from defensive end because they wanted to get their four best players on the defensive line, and this is how they ended up. And it actually worked out pretty well, which surprisingly so. And to well, me.
3: not drafting. Not having a high draft pick, I mean, beyond the year, obviously, with, with Zeke, but other than that, not having one to even have a chance to draft one of those elite pass rushers, that kind of affects your strategy, too, because drafting at the end of the first round and in the second round where they've taken a lot of their pass rushers, you're not going to get that elite guy that you're no. like, hey, that's my left defensive end, let's just leave him there and let him go. You're going to be getting a guy that, there, the reason he's, he's fallen a little bit is because he's yeah he doesn't quite do this as well, and... and this isn't exactly a strength, but because if you've got a really premium pass rusher, even teams that are set at pass rusher are still drafting that guy if they're drafting the top 10, just because it's next to quarterback, it's the most valuable position on the so, field now. So, so well, of
2: course, it did work out that way in the second round with Demarcus Lawrence. They traded up to get Demarcus Lawrence. We all kind of gave him a shot for doing that, right. and it ended up working out right. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence was, if you look back now, certainly it seems to be a, would have been worth a, a first round pick, a top Right, but you also had to wait
3: be. for Demarcus Lawrence to kind of come around. Whereas, you know, if no, you're I, right, you're right. A Joey Bosa if he's comes out, first round pick type guy that every team is in on, and stuff. You know, the Khalil Max and, and, and guys of that, Nick Von Miller's. Those guys make an impact right away. Not to say he didn't make an impact, but it, it, I mean, no, you're right he His first two years in the league, you didn't think he was going to be the, this guy getting double-digit sacks right away.
2: No, you didn't. Most, most defensive ends are like this. You're right. Uh, Joey Bosa comes out and and he's just terrific right from the get-go.
0: And uh, and and most of them uh, who have had success are guys
2: who took
3: a year or two to do <laughs> so that. So,
0: what did they see? What did uh, Rod Marinelli see in Taco?
3: It's the length. It's all about his size and. And, and being able to uh, just be a mismatch there. You know, just a, a guy that has a lot of tools that you can, that you can work with. I mean, uh, they, they look at him as being able to play both defensive end spots, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily thought he was going to come in right away and have some, some big sack season. I, thought, I think they look at him as being a guy that was like he was in college, where he didn't really play his best ball until really his junior and then his senior year. That's and right. then even in his senior year, it was really the last, you know, half of the season really, re- where he really turned it on. So, so he's a I believe they guy. look at Taco, even though they're not the same player, a lot like DeMarcus Lawrence, that, hey, you know, we might have to go through some rough times early on, but, you know, year three, year four, uh, this guy could really flourish into something, uh, you know, where he maybe potentially is eight to ten sacks in a season.
2: Let me ask you this. Uh, do you think that um, Rob Marinelli would have made a pitch for Jalen Ramsey over Zeke Elliott?
3: That's a really good question. I don't, uh, you know, in that situation, um, the only reason why I don't think that he would, and this isn't from hearing it from anybody, just judging the way that they, the style they play defense, um, I think that he, he would have seen where Jason's coming with and the offensive side I was coming with with that, how Ezekiel was going to help his defense by running clock and limiting how much they're on the field, keeping their guys fresh. That's the big reason why Rod rotates, because he wants. He's all about keeping these guys fresh. Right. So I think he would believe in that more as the big-time playmaker on the back end because when you really look at the way that this, this team has played defense, and this is even before Rod Marinelli, this is entire Jason Garrett as head coach. I mean, two widely, hugely different defenses with Rob Ryan and Rod Marinelli, but the numbers are very similar. And the way these guys are coached on the, on the back end, it's more of keep the stuff in front of you. You know, there's, there's a couple times that Tony Romo has revealed that, uh, during broadcasts of the Cowboys this year, where it's more of you know, don't let them beat you deep, keep them in front of you. And with a, with a guy like Jalen Ramsey, you want him to be aggressive, you want him to be making plays on the ball and and, and shutting down a, a particular star receiver. And you don't really see that with with this defensive style that they play. It's more of bend but don't break, don't give up the big play as opposed to being the super aggressive on the back end. So in that sense, I bet when they talked it all out, I, I'm sure Rod was all on board with Zeke.
0: So let, let me let me make an effort to get a good. Question. Excellent question from you. Like you just gave Kevin a, a high A. What if Joey Bosa had been? What, what what if Joey Bosa had been available? If the Chargers hadn't taken uh, Bosa, would
3: you know? I had heard some rumblings that they didn't. That they weren't as blown away by Joey Bosa being a top five type pass rusher. That it was more of uh, they'd be a lot more excited if they were maybe a little bit later in the in the top ten. So. Uh, you know, they did a great job going into that draft of not really showing their cards because the more time that passes and the more we get a chance to look back and, and talk to people in the organization, it appears that it was it was Ezekiel Elliott the entire time, which, which is wild to me because with how much help they need on defense, you would have thought that if Joey Bosa is there, he fills what is easily your biggest need, and yeah, you're not going to get Ezekiel Elliott in the third or fourth round, but you look across the league, you can get a pretty damn good back in the third, fourth round. That could still be your bell cow, um, but I, I really believe even if Bosa was there, they were taking Zeke the whole, the whole entire time, but <laughs> if that would have been the decision, especially with this six-game suspension now, and then seeing Joey Bosa averaging pretty much a sack per game through two seasons in the NFL, uh, yeah, they'd be getting ripped pretty hard for that.
2: You know that I, I have to say I'm in, I'm uh, I'm embarrassed with. I mean, oh, wait, real
3: quick. Think about that. Think about that defensive line with Joey Bosa on one side, DeMarcus Lawrence on the other, David Irving and Lee Collins. I mean, that's that's arguably the best defensive line in football.
2: It'd be pretty good. I, and I have to say this, you know, because just Joey Bosa to me, I, obviously he was great at Ohio State, but he, when he went to the combine and you saw his numbers, you know, he was he was they were not great. You know, he's not fast. He was not quick off the ball. I mean, every, every, all the numbers said. Yeah, it made you think, this guy's a great college player, but once he gets to the NFL level and guys are quicker, guys are faster, blah, 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 that he's not going to have the same kind of success. And, uh, and I have to say, that was just all bunk. You know, guy, guy got to the NFL, now he's been hurt. Uh, he was hurt a lot his rookie season. Uh, but he was unbelievably productive uh, right, right from the start. Uh, it, to me, if you had that choice to, to make, that uh, Barry just made, and, and knowing what you know right now, uh yeah, I take Joy Bosa. You know, I I because I, I agree. You can find a running back. Yeah, you know, there there are, there are plenty of running backs out there. There are not very many Joy Bosas.
1: I have no thoughts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, are, what what uh, are you doing? You're, so John, who would you who would you, you, who wait, would you take? What are, what are you doing on your laptop? Oh, this
1: whole don't time? don't ask that question. Don't I was question. looking up some information.
2: Yeah, oh. yeah, that's what he, that's what he calls it, He's honey. I'm
1: looking up some information. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I, I i think he's doing i think he's working on his on our next podcast. Yeah, well, let, let me just ask that John that that
2: question. If you could, knowing what you know now, and you could go back to that draft and you had your choice of either one, which one would
3: you take? I would take Joey Bosa, and the whole reasoning behind it is I I just firmly believe that after quarterback, pass rusher is the next most important thing in the NFL, and I think Zeke uh, is is as talented as any back in in the game. And uh, when he's right, uh, he is a game changer, but uh the position he plays just to me isn't uh, like I said, the list of third, fourth, fifth round running backs blows away the the talented third fourth, fifth round pass rushers you just i mean you just don't get there yeah. and then the other side of it too is that you see with these running backs they're really only playing out you know they're they're really dominant for this four five six year stretch, and then that's about it whereas with a pass rusher like Joey Bosa, you know, I mean, it'll be expensive, but if you can pair him with DeMarcus Lawrence for, you know, two contracts, uh, you know, your defensive line is is going to be, I mean, really, you pretty much built your team to be what Denver won the Super Bowl with, yeah. uh, with having Von Miller on one side and DeMarcus Ware on the other. I just, uh, I, I couldn't pass that up. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't even would be that difficult. I don't, I don't think I, I would have to go that
0: way. Okay, mm-hmm. so let me ask one quick question before we wrap it up. Um... Sean Lee, is he the most valuable player on this team ahead of uh, Zeke Elliott?
3: Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably put him third. I, I still think Tyron Smith is just, uh, you know, we saw what they looked like without Tyron Smith. I know they didn't make, uh, you know, enough adjustments in that Atlanta game. Uh, but but he's just, you know, I mean, I think he's the best left tackle in football. And so that would be my third most important position after quarterback and pass rusher would be left tackle and uh, you know I just think they're gonna they're they're a lot different without him. Uh, Sean Lee would, Sean Lee would be fourth for sure, but you know I saw them you know I saw them win twelve games in twenty fourteen without Sean Lee out there at all and uh, and and you know Rolando McClain was playing at a pretty high level. So uh, but, th- yeah, but there he's, is I mean, but there is by far over- their most valuable defensive player. Uh, uh, but I still put him behind. Ty you're right you're saying there's and no in Ronald the,
2: McLean, but but there, but there it, is an
3: Anthony Hitchens.
2: So Anthony Hitchens is really good. That's that's the problem. And what, and what John says, I, I I agree with that because um, because you don't have a tackle anywhere close to Tyrant Smith. No, I agree. Him but you do have when and Anthony Hitchens. You can make the case and something. You know, he's pretty. I think he's. I think the difference between, for me, between Anthony Hitchens and Sean Lee playing the position is that what Sean Lee brings to the game is that he's set, he's getting everybody in the right position, you he's know. A for, he's like a coach on the field. Hitchens is very productive and he's a great hitter and, and he's been very good. I don't know that he's the same uh, type to to run a defense uh, as Sean Lee is. And to me, that's what's so valuable for this team. Uh, I, I think when we we saw that, what, what game was it, John, where he got hurt? Um, I, I'm escaping me now. Sean Lee. Yes.
3: Oh. Sean Lee, the same one as parents today. It was Atlanta.
2: It was Atlanta, okay. So, in Atlanta, it, it, in the, the first, first th- Yeah, it, before, before he got hurt, the defense just looks terrific. And then as soon as he goes right. out, it just went down a hole. Uh, and, and you know, you know it's
3: it another part, though, I wonder about that as well. You know, you bring up the, the leadership point, and and it's not really talked about that much, but – uh, you know, I wonder how much they miss Barry Church too on the back end because yeah, he's I kind agree. of a guy that he went off to Jacksonville and and, and you know maybe the first couple of weeks of the season you know people talked about but it's kind of moved on from but you know he was definitely one of the leaders there too he had been a captain on that defense too and when you didn't have Sean Lee you know not having Barry Church too I, I think the the leadership really was lacking there on the defense and and I don't think he, he's talked about nearly enough as as how much he was able to bring when when he was with them the last few years.
2: I, I agree with you 100%. To me, that was the whole problem with uh, they just they let everybody go uh, in the secondary. And to me, you couldn't let everybody go. you got to keep one of those guys, uh, it, especially if you're going to be bringing in all these young defensive backs. They signed Nolan Carroll thinking that, oh, okay, this is going to be our veteran guy. And then Nolan Carroll was terrible, uh, and, they, and they let him go.
0: Fall, Evan is falling asleep listening to
2: you. Evan is falling asleep. So anyway, I, well, it's the same
3: thing with Barry Church, though. That's that you know you bring up Anthony Hitchens. It's going to be the same thing this off with, with him too. You're going to be in a situation where you really want to keep this guy, but you're going to have a dollar amount that you're set at because you got to re-sign Zach Martin. You got you got to bring back the Marcus Warren. You're probably paying back down the road, you know, a big hundred million dollar contract. So you got to be kind of careful. They're not going to be big spenders in in, in free agency you want Anthony Hitchens back, what if another team comes in the way Jacksonville did with Barry Church, and you just, you just can't match it? I mean, that'd be a huge loss for them, because then you're depending on Jalen Smith uh, to be a starter right out the gate week one next year.
2: Well, I think that's what's going to happen. I think it, it, you're right. I mean, I, what what Barry Church got was a lot of money. I, it was it would have been hard to pay that. But uh, to and me, still, it, that that's the. They're a
0: pretty good team now, too. With well, Barry they have Church, a great defense, yeah. and he's
2: done a great job. Uh, but they got a great, you know, and Jalen Ramsey's Jaylen back Rams there with there him. Too, yeah. So that's a that's a pretty good. Uh, that they're they're riding their defense, uh, you know, this season. So, so John, we appreciate you taking the time coming on with us. Uh, you, you got delayed, or you got we we brought you in early. We jacked you around. You know, it was it was really awful the way we treated you. But we want you to know there'll be something in your little uh, in your Christmas check for that, and uh, and we appreciate it.
3: No problem, guys. Anytime.
2: He doesn't believe you, Kevin. <laughs> he doesn't.
3: John,
0: thanks so
2: much. Thanks, John. There goes there goes John Machota. You know I love John. He's he's fun to to uh, to work with when you're out at a you game. You know I
0: wanted to ask him this question, but I'm sure everybody would have ripped me. I just want to know what it's like to cover a game in Oakland uh, the, with the fans, the field, oh, the, the stadium. Mad. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, you it's the same stadium the Rangers play in, so I could yeah I could kind of give you that. Answer. Okay, Evan, it's a dump. Yeah, it's a dump. It's a dump. Now I mean. The difference is that there's nobody there when the A's play there. When the when the Raid when the Raiders play there, clearly it's it's sold out. Um, or close to it, or it has been in the past. I didn't look at the attendance for the game the other day. What was it? I, I did not look. Um, but it
2: looked like a, a normal crowd, right?
1: Yeah, you know, this is for a team headed out of town. Yeah, teams going, teams leaving, and they're still. And I think that says a lot about Oakland fans, football fans. Well, fans. I don't think there's ever been a doubt that Oakland football fans are passionate. I mean, yeah. you look at the, and you look at that group, and and the few fans that show up for A's games. I mean, they're passionate. They're waving flags. They're they're beating drums um they are into it uh it's just unfortunate that the city of oakland and in the east bay hasn't been able to come up with a better plan for for a facility because the oakland coliseum and call it whatever it is it was the o.co.coliseum it's, it's now, now the uh, oakland coliseum right now it it is uh, it, it's outlived its its time um and it's been with that mount davis that 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 the side of the stadium that's been built strictly as a football uh, seating uh, setup—it's uh, you know it's an abomination um, from the baseball perspective, um, and it, it just—it's been perverted from what it originally was, and and you know we have gone away from the multi-use stadium. It just doesn't work. Oh no. yeah, I, and and the NBA, the Warriors are leaving Oakland too. Yes, now they're they're going
0: to a state of the art. You know, everybody talks about the expensive real estate in San Francisco. They're going to a state of the art arena in a very tony part of uh, right. San Francisco. Well, so,
1: and it, it, the the Warriors are right now the hot. very tony ticket in yeah. in San Francisco. And you know, I I know people have seen the shots, the overhead shots on TV, but the Oracle Coliseum and 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 the O. dot Co. Whatever you want, or the Oakland Coliseum, they share the same plat uh, plot of land, and there's underground tunnels yeah. that connect the the, the two. Really? And didn't know that. Um, uh, we've had plenty of Ranger games there, where there's been a concert, or even a, a, a Warriors playoff game later that night. That you know, it, uh, I keep waiting for for the toilets to back up again, and for the <laughs> sewage to to overflow. And it, fortunately, when I've been there, it hasn't happened. You know, I was watching the game the other day with one of my sons, and and
2: he said, "So, so why did people think that that multi-use stadium idea was a good idea? You know, because back in the seventies, there, there were lots of them, it right? Was oh yeah,
0: economically
1: efficient, yeah, it yeah. Was cheap. But then, and and you had a lot of you had emerging markets for both football and baseball, and there weren't already stadiums there, and they had to instead of doing two individual stadiums, they had to come up with an idea that would house both. I, I grew up with a multi-use stadium. We all did. Yeah, we all did. I grew up. You know, yeah. I, I grew up going to Falcons games and Braves games in Atlanta Fulton in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, and I didn't know any better. You know, I, I There were
2: many times working in the Astrodome. I would be at a uh, football game, and in the afternoon, and while I'm riding the game, they are converting the field.
1: For baseball, Back to baseball. Or, or or vice versa. But, but my, my point is, I just crazy didn't, thing to watch. I didn't know any better. You know, Nobody I knew any better. No, I, I went to this. I went to the stadium, and this is where I sat for a baseball game, and it was still a baseball game in front of me, and that was that made me happy as a kid. Um, and when I went to a Falcons game, I probably sat much higher up because we couldn't afford tickets, and it, it was you know that that was the deal. You were far away from the field and everything. It, it all goes to how we now view yeah. venues and venues are not the property of of kids or families they are the property of Corpor- corporations and big time spenders and Nobody care. You know, it, it's all about the amenity. It's not about just putting a facility. So, up so why do after. we why do we think this is all has happened? This, 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 well, well, that's can, the question. I just, no, I, just want no, to throw, I want to throw. one thing in here. Oh my gosh! When I was a kid,
0: I went to Yankee Stadium. You would watch the New York Football Giants playing Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that's and, terrible. And, and you'd be sitting there, and I'd be like behind the third behind third base. It was the worst seat. For a baseball game, it was the worst seat in the house. For a football game, right. you couldn't see anything. Yeah, and they and they sold out year, right. and the waiting list was ridiculous. Wh- why do we think that this is
2: that this all happened? Because it's an amazing thing to me to watch this. Because when we were, it's all we
1: were, about the money. Kid. Thank you. Well, it's, I know, but
2: where did the money come from? Was it TV money that 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 enabled all of this to happen? No, it's sponsor, it's it's sponsor money. But why were why was it not happening when we were growing up? Is what I'm asking. Well, right.
1: I, I I because the industry, I, I really do think the industries have uh, blossomed and bloomed and, and really become huge money makers. And, and I think there's
2: owners, a lot more, a lot more uh, owners
1: have a lot more leverage on, on cities now to demand these kinds of. Well, the uh, money
2: uh, a
0: sponsor too. puts his his its name on a stadium. And it's AT and T Stadium, three hundred sixty five days a year. You don't, you know, it's it's not like
1: we didn't have naming rights. That's that's
2: some money. I think there there were probably a lot of contributing. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of contributing factor. I think that there's more wealth for one thing. Oh, there is. Uh, Because you look at the owners now. Back in the day, you in a lot of these leagues, you'd have owners and they just barely had any money. You know, they, they couldn't make payrolls. Right. You know, you had, you had lots of times when things like that kind of happened. That never happens. Anymore. You
1: know, in the 70s and 80s, when I was growing up going to baseball games, the, the idea of a suite was a foreign concept. Yeah. And now and then we went through a period in the 90s and early 2000s where the idea was that suite sales were what were going to drive your stadium. Sure. Right. And, and now we're going back to it. We're going to the next step, which is, OK, we'll have suites. But we're also going to have these premium seats that aren't suites that will have club access. And that club access is another amenity that's going to take people out of their seats, put them in a club, watch a game on TV. Right. And we're going to charge them extra money for it. So uh, we've gotten way off track here. Um, That's that's what what we do. And we're we're dating ourselves again. But, yeah, it, it is amazing. Even in a, you just mentioned Yankee Stadium. I remember the one time my dad took me to a a Dolphins game at the Orange Bowl, and it was a Cowboy Dolphin game in in Miami, uh, and I literally sat behind a pole, behind a girder, a steel girder in the end zone, and people, the place was sold out, and people dove, died for those kinds of things. Oh, absolutely! And where where did you park?
0: You parked a million miles away because there was no parking at the old Orange Bowl, which was like. The, it, it was the, a nice the, neighborhood. The, the, wasn't old, it? the old Orange Bowl <laughs> makes the Cotton Bowl look uh, like yeah.
2: Jerry World. Yeah, people complain about the parking at the at, uh, at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, you had been to the Ar-
0: the old Orange Bowl. Well, I've been to the old Orange Bowl, and it was yeah. unbelievable.
2: All
1: right. Yeah. Well, uh, we should probably get out of here on football on on Cowboys for today. So, um... what else
2: do we have today?
1: Uh, well, we have uh, we couldn't get a baseball real baseball
0: guest, so I think we're going to talk with Evan. Uh, as our expert on uh, what uh, what
1: are we going to talk about, Evan? Uh, oh uh, my gosh! Thanks for coming prepared. Well, I think <laughs> we can talk about Matt Moore. We can talk about where this pitching staff stands. We can talk about uh, what the what the realistic hopes are for the Rangers at this point in time. Uh, there's never a shortage of things that I can uh, educate you two on on, oh, on baseball. Oh, I thank we you. That. Well, is
0: you Darvish in the, is is he still in 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 their sights?
1: Uh well he's oh, here let's, but let's he, leave that. That's appeasing yeah. oh, okay. Well okay. he'll
0: you'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're and,
2: is that, and that's it. That's and, all I Well, we
0: I think we might I don't know. I'm still waiting. I, I keep checking my phone here to find out if we're gonna have a super surprise guest. Unfortunately, he will be talking about the Cowboys too. So I think Evan won't even want to stay. He'll probably just fall asleep. All right.
2: Uh, that that's it from our end on this one. We hope that you're gonna listen to these other podcasts as well. Thanks for coming.
0: Bye everybody. Thanks for
2: listening to the Cowboys' Ballsy with a Z podcast.
1: Don't forget to
2: subscribe via iTunes. You'll get
1: new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.